1: One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com.
0: What world famous women's skin moisturizer was actually the brainstorm of a lumberjack?
1: <laughs> really? Yes. Oh, I like that. Okay, Bob. What's your best course of action if you're being chased by a crocodile? And <laughs> what
0: are people dreaming about during COVID? Answers to those and other questions coming up in this episode of The Off-Ramp with Bob
1: and Marcia Smith.
0: Welcome to the off-ramp, a chance to slow down, steer clear of crazy, take a side road to sanity, and get some perspective on life. Well, to find that this name in cosmetics was actually started by a former lumberjack, I found it very, very funny, because this cosmetic brand says it's dedicated to helping women achieve soft, smooth, sensuously gorgeous skin. And the Lumberjack came up with the original product. It's not
1: like something uh, in shea butter or or honey, something from a tree.
0: Actually, I'm just asking for the brand name right now.
1: Oh, okay. Don't know.
0: The guy's name was Andrew.
1: Andy. Andrew uh, Cosmetics. uh, No, it's not
0: Andrew Cosmetics.
1: (laughs) No, I'm trying to think of. um, Okay. uh, Estee Lauder, only Andy. No, no. 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 Mm -mm. I don't know.
0: This was an American. He was a 24-year-old, former lumberjack, a Dutch immigrant to America. His name was Andrew Juergens.
1: Oh, really? You've heard oh. of Juergens
0: Lotion. Oh, yes. Well, in 1880, he formed a partnership with a Cincinnati soap maker to manufacture prestigious toilet soap. But from his years in the lumber industry, he was aware of the benefits of hand lotion. And in 1901, he formulated Juergens Classic Cherry Almond Lotion, which became known as Juergens Lotion. Huh. And that was the best-selling hand lotion in America, starting in 1901. Still around I, today. I never
1: heard of that cherry one.
0: That's what they call the original formula now. Oh. Juergens Jer- <laughs> Lotion's still around. They have 42 different products in six categories. Really? And it's owned by a uh, Japanese cosmetics company now called K.O. They own Ban and a number of other brands Were yeah, Jergens, familiar with.
1: Yeah, goes way back in the family bathroom. That's right. Oh, okay, Bob. So, if for some reason... Here in Wisconsin, you're being pursued by a crocodile. There's a problem. (laughs) You got a real problem. The thing to do is what?
0: Well, uh, is it like a bear? You got to get bigger? You kind of get bigger and kind of threaten them? Yeah, no. Do you just run like hell? That's what I would do. That's part of it. Okay.
1: But you have to run in a particular way.
0: Okay, you run like a three-legged race. Is that?
1: (laughs) You run in a zigzag pattern. Oh. Crocs, though, very fast on land, and they can catch up with you. They have virtually no ability to make a sudden change in direction. If you're going zigzag, it confuses the heck out of them. Oh, is that right? Yeah.
0: Well, and I would think they're they're very big. It's like a battleship. Hard to turn a battleship. Uh, that's the old be. expression, you know? I thought
1: perhaps it was something to do with their spacing of their eyes, but uh, oh. I don't know if that's true or not.
0: I think it's how long they are and how difficult that is. So. Huh.
1: Yeah, anyway, so just run like hell and in a zigzag.
0: Okay, I've got a Marsha question now. Okay, i like those. (laughs) You are one person, Mm Marsha, one person. But how many living organisms are living on you? No,
1: I don't want to (laughs) know. I don't want to know. It's millions and millions. That's right. And billions. That's right. And billions.
0: This is a good way to describe it. There are more living organisms on your skin Then there are human beings on the entire
1: Earth. Yeah.
0: The average adult's skin has a surface area of 16 to 22 square feet. (laughs) Yeah. And scientists estimate that each square inch houses 20 million microorganisms. That's 20 million things living on you, not inside you.
1: Uh, Per inch.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Per Per square inch. inch. That's crazy.
1: (laughs) Uh, and that, that follows the Jurgens question for a reason?
0: <laughs> well, skin. I'm into skin right now. <laughs> I, I got more skin questions. Do you really? No, no, oh. I don't.
1: <laughs> That's funny. Okay, let's go on sex. Oh, uh, you, okay. Okay, oh, okay. Guys, they're so simple. <laughs> a University of Iowa survey suggests that the determination of a baby's sex is often related to what at the time of conception? Temperature? No.
0: Temperate. No. Uh what's it related to at the time of conception? I don't
1: know. What? I found this very fascinating. Okay. Stress. The report indicates that a child tends to be the same sex as the parent who was under less stress at the time of conception.
0: So we took turns. <laughs> <laughs> we had you a were girl stressed had one time? Yeah. And I
1: was stressed one time.
0: <laughs> How interesting. Yeah. Really, really. Yeah. So if a family is a family of girls, yeah, that means the, the guy is more stressed than the
1: wife. Apparently, yeah, I, I, you know, it doesn't mean that that's it every time, but there seems to be a correlation hmm. between stress and the
0: very interesting and the sex. And what's going to give you more stress is, than a family of girls?
1: <laughs> that's pardon me. What I meant was, pardon me.
0: It would seem to be self-defeating. They're fun. It's okay. just a
1: fun place, <laughs> house full of girls. In puberty. Okay.
0: Uh, Okay. All right. I've got a a question for you. This is, uh, what is the world's oldest surviving recipe? How old is it and what is it for?
1: So it's an actual recipe, it's not an actual like, recipe not like found. A bread or something. No, it's
0: a recipe. Was it for bread? It was found in stone. It was a recipe that yeah. was found.
1: I go back. It was, was it bread? No. Oh, okay. Well, then it was uh, found in stone. A recipe was carved in stone. Carved
0: in stone.
1: Was it for beer or something? That's
0: exactly right. <laughs> Are you kidding? Yes. It's a formula for making beer. It was discovered outside Baghdad in 1860 on a 3,800-year-old Sumerian clay tablet. Now, they found two other tablets. What do you think was on them?
1: <laughs> Wine. and
0: uh... <laughs> The two other tablets are believed to contain words to drinking songs. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so there That's we go. very funny. The oldest recipe, recipe is, is for, for beer, beer, and next to it, some well, stones with some drinking songs.
1: Uh, and uh, And, you know, right after the pyramids, they built brew pubs. The Is that right? Oh, yeah, I didn't know that, Is that did that what you? they found there? I didn't know <laughs> it's that. It's a little, I mean, little they known found fact. A
0: little village there yeah. underneath the pyramids. but
1: huh. Bob, you probably didn't know that the first world tournament of horseshoe pitching took place in 1909 in Bronson, Kansas. Hmm. Would you like to guess the men's record for consecutive ringers during the Horseshoe contest and a
0: ringer is an actual is, horseshoe uh, that is making goes them. around the yes. pole there. Yes, the number of consecutive ringers. Yes,
1: it was made in the 1950s. The all-time record and no one's beat it yet.
0: Fifty ringers.
1: It's 72.
0: Wow! A
1: gentleman by the name of Ted Allen did it in the early 1950s, and it's still an unbroken record. The woman's record is 42, and that was set by Ruth Hagen in 74. That's still 74. Those
0: are hard records. I mean, when you think yeah. of throwing that piece of metal How and can making you it. How
1: possi- Yeah, obviously you get into a, a zone, yeah. right? And you just uh, don't move your arm. If anybody comes up and hands you a beer or something, you're going to get, get away off. from me. <laughs> don't,
0: don't, don't. Yeah, beer. That's probably not that. That'll no. just ruin your yes. judgment. Okay. Okay, I have a question for you here. On Remember we did some questions on mountains last time? Uh-huh. So I've got a couple mountain questions left over that we didn't get to. Because <laughs> you said, only do one. And I said, why? And you said, because I'm not good at geography.
1: Did I say that? Yes, you did. I don't recall that. Oh, off
0: mic. So we're back on, <laughs> on mic. And remember we talked about... If you took a list of the 109 tallest mountains in the world, I ask you what continent they would be on, and the answer was Asia. Yeah. 109 tallest mountains are all in Asia.
1: Oh, okay.
0: Okay. So, what's the tallest mountain outside of Asia?
1: Kilimanjaro.
0: That's in Africa. That's a good question, or a good answer, but, <laughs> but it's not the tallest mountain outside of Asia.
1: Uh, is it in America? It's in
0: the Americas.
1: Yeah, so it's uh, it's uh, that one over there on the west coast, right?
0: Like what? Like
1: like Pike's Peak, or, or wait, Denali in Alaska?
0: That's a great guess, and it's wrong. <laughs> you know, this goes to show how North American centric we and the rest of the oh, world it's are. South America. It's in South America. Yeah, Aconcagua. It's the tallest mountain in South America. In fact, in all of the Americas, and it's in the Andes in western Argentina, it's 22,834 feet tall. Now that is tall. Mm. That's more than four miles high, yet it's only the 189th highest in the world. But like you said, the tallest mountain in North America is Denali, which was formerly known as Mount McKinley, and that's 20,320 feet. Feet. One more mountain. No. Okay. One more mountain question. So
1: fascinating. Bob. So fascinating. <laughs> this is my
0: last mountain question okay, for the day. Okay. Th- thank you. What is the highest <laughs> capital city in the world? It's on a mountain.
1: Is it a uh, city in Tibet? Nope. No. It's La Paz,
0: Bolivia. That's a city of 1.8 million people. It's at 11,975 feet above sea level, which makes it the highest capital in the world.
1: All right, let's put this in the category of it's always something. In 1943, the United States Safety Council reported that an American soldier became <laughs> became trapped in his sleeping bag. <laughs> 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 Want to venture a guess on how that happened?
0: This is a, a National Safety Council story?
1: Yeah. I read those every night before I go to bed. A
0: soldier soldier was trapped in his- Sleeping bag. Sleeping bag. Why? Well, the zipper didn't work, obviously. No, no,
1: no. This is uh, bigger than that. Oh, really? Yeah. This is- uh...
0: Trapped in his sleeping bag. Was this during warfare? It was
1: 1943. Okay. Uh, It doesn't say where he was. I'm sorry.
0: Okay. Well, tell us the answer, Marsha.
1: The zipper was struck by lightning and welded shut.
0: Oh, 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 Lord. (laughs) The
1: whole thing welded shut and they couldn't get him out. So they had a, I don't know. I imagine they had to cut, uh, you know, everything else.
0: Wow. Isn't
1: that something? That's
0: amazing. Can you imagine? And it welded shut. So it's solid metal.
1: Yeah. And he survived. Yeah. And it just melted his zipper. He's lucky. Oh, God. You
0: know. This uh, brings up something I was doing some research today, and I found there's a distinction between a zipper and the fly. People say your fly is open.
1: Yeah. Oh, is it the flap is the fly? Yeah,
0: the flap that goes over a zipper is called the fly. That's yeah. technically the fly. It's not the zipper. Oh. So your so fly is we open. We
1: interchange them. Though. Yeah. Yeah, well, crazy people that we are.
0: Okay, Marcia, where did the term cop for policemen come from? C-O-P. Mm-hmm. Cop. There are two cop. theories. Cop. Cop. I'll give you points for either one. <laughs> Two theories.
1: Okay. I'll, Cop. I'll say comes from copper.
0: That's one theory very good. And uh, because the copper buttons were the bobbies in England. Some people it's thought that's exactly what That's exactly what I was going to
1: say, copper buttons.
0: <laughs> okay, but there's another theory. Okay. Now, uh, if you watch any of those British TV dramas on television, like you likes, and I do, yeah. you always hear them use their abbreviations when they identify themselves. I'm DCI Smith, which is Detective, Constable, Inspector. Yeah. Well, many people believe the term cop comes from the British police acronym for constable on patrol.
1: Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, so
0: that might be the answer. Don't yeah, know for sure. Both
1: of them are good, and they're both English because that was where the first police station was in Scotland Yard. Right. Yes. Okay, babe. Why do we drink a toast on special occasions?
0: Why do we drink a toast uh-huh. on special occasions? Was it a ceremony or was it like a safety measure?
1: Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> In the 6th century Greeks discovered that poison wine was an excellent way to kill off their enemies. Here, have a drink, you know. Oh, okay. okay. So it became necessary at fun social events to reassure your guests you weren't killing them. So the host would have to always take the first drink. Uh-huh. So that became a custom, but the Romans added a piece of burnt toast. Or toastus, it was called. Oh, really? To the custom, because it would absorb acid, making the wine more pleasant to drink. Now, I don't know what they mean by acid. Do they mean acid, like in poison, or acid in the
0: in the wine, in, in or the something? Wine? But uh, that's where the term co- toast comes from.
1: Flattering words were spoken during the toasting ceremony to reassure guests of their safety. But so when I'm they not said going we're to drinking a
0: toast, they really did have toast in the drink. Yeah. I'll be darned. Yeah, that idea. was weird, huh? Yeah, that's pretty cool. Okay, let's take a break, and we'll be back in just a moment. You're listening to The Off-Ramp with Bob.
1: And Marcia Smith.
0: Okay, we are coming back, Marcia, and I've got one for you I think you'll like, okay? Okie doke. Now, you can learn a lot from your neighborhood grocer, and according to his neighborhood grocer, what were Osama bin Laden's favorite American products? <laughs> <laughs> we're talking about the grocer wow. that was in, in Pakistan this, down the street from his hideout. Wow,
1: this is superb trivia. This probably wow. came from
0: a CIA report somewhere. Uh, yeah,
1: and it was American food. A couple things he liked. I'm sure just a couple, but yeah. oh, I'll just say Doritos and hot dogs.
0: Pepsi and Coke were his two favorite food-oriented things that were American. Now, the big question, what were his favorite TV shows from America.
1: Oh man! This oh, okay. one of these
0: will blow your mind.
1: The Golden Girls. <laughs> <laughs> that would blow your
0: mind. No, not the Golden Girls.
1: Okay, let me guess. Oh, I don't know. NCIS.
0: Miami Vice.
1: Okay, so NCIS isn't too far. No, off.
0: Miami Vice, which and they
1: dressed real pretty back
0: then. And MacGyver.
1: Oh yeah, cool. And the Wonder
0: Years. <laughs> Anyway, uh, those three American TV shows were his favorites, according to his grocer. They must have interviewed him. Miami Vice makes sense because it was violent and exciting. MacGyver makes sense, too. He was always... In a jam, figuring out how to free himself out of things. Yeah, and, yeah. And Osama was in a jam. Obf- but The Wonder Years. Yeah. O- Osama Bin Family Laden. life in America. Liked to watch the great little show about growing up as an American kid in the 60s. Yeah, it was so that's cute. That's a head-scratcher.
1: Well, yeah, it's considering you wanted to kill us all. So <laughs> it is. It, and that was a, a charming, charming show.
0: So again, the answer is Pepsi, Coke, Miami Vice, MacGyver, and The Wonder Years. Those are the favorite American products of Osama Bin Laden. Well,
1: that's true trivia, and I like it. Okay. All right, this fascinated me because here in our little town, every fall, there's a fall harvest festival, Mm -hmm. which usually includes a pumpkin regatta race down the local creek. A
0: pumpkin regatta? Is that right? Yeah, they
1: carve out these monster pumpkins, get inside, and paddle down the creek. These are pumpkin races. They're seriously big pumpkins. And
0: we're talking here in Cedarburg, Wisconsin, since you've mentioned that.
1: So people hollow them out and they float in them down the the water. So here's the question. How big is the world's biggest pumpkin to date?
0: Are we talking weight? Yeah. Uh, the biggest pumpkin in the world uh-huh. weighs 857 and a half pounds. <laughs>
1: That's good. In 2016, the record was set in Belgium. To a fellow who grew a gourd that weighed 2,624 pounds.
0: Holy cow, 2,624 pounds? That's a big pumpkin. The
1: the secret to big pumpkins on a daily basis, you just water, fertilizer, and prune. And I also read if you got to put them up sometimes on like a little wood platform so they don't rot underneath, you know? Oh, okay. So, uh, but anyway, keep that in mind if we want to do something fun come spring. Oddly enough, I do have a question about a
0: pumpkin, (laughs) too. Of course you do. Okay, so pumpkins, uh, they've been growing in America for over 5,000 years. They're indigenous to the Western Hemisphere. They were completely unknown before the time of Columbus. Now, the question is, how did the pumpkin get its name? What what does it really mean?
1: Is it an Indian name?
0: No, it's French. French. But it was translated into English by Mm. mistake. I don't know. Okay. In 1584, the French explorer Jacques Cartier reported from the St. Lawrence region that he had found gross melons, gross melons, G-R-O-S melons, big melons, right? (laughs) It was translated into English, not as big melons, but pompions, pompions or pumpkins for some reason. So it was a mistranslation, but it means gross melons is the idea. Big melons. (laughs) Big melons. And they are a very good source of nutrition.
1: There's so many jokes there. I'm not going to touch any of them. Big melons.
0: (laughs) Okay. They're not vegetables. Did you know that? Pumpkins are not vegetables. uh, They are berries. (laughs) Technically, a pumpkin is a berry. So
1: you're saying this dude had a 2,600-pound berry, That's
0: a big berry. Okay. Never thought of it that way, did you? No. Tomatoes are technically berries as well.
1: All right. What state, Bob, Mm -hmm. in the United States... Has the most named lakes larger than ten acres.
0: Oh, I think that's Minnesota or Wisconsin. One of the two. I'll say Minnesota. Land of a thousand lakes or something like that. Or no. ten thousand lakes. 000. Ten
1: thousand lakes. That's right. But no, they're not the biggest. Oh, sorry. Wisconsin. Eleven thousand nine hundred and eighty one lakes that are larger than ten acres. And are named. And are named. Huh. Wisconsin beat out Minnesota by one hundred and thirty nine lakes. So there. So there. So we should have more than Dairyland on our license plates. It should say, we got more than you, And oh, We should Minnesota. tell our friends,
0: the Freunds, that when they, <laughs> we see them next. Okay. This is uh, another one of those. Where did it come from? What was it originally? This is an old expression. Probably you remember hearing old folks saying this or watching a movie where somebody said this. What in tarnation? <laughs>
1: what is a tarnation? What in tarnation? Where I got did that some come on from? my Foot here. That's
0: tarnation. Yeah, that's that's where you lived, wasn't it? Tarnation. Okay. Where do you think that came from? What did it mean? Expression. Yeah.
1: Well, it didn't really have anything to do with tar and a nation. No, it it didn't. Okay.
0: You know, we humans always seem to have the need to compress or abbreviate things, right? Uh huh. To save time, I guess. You know, instead of saying "do not," we say "don't." Instead of saying uh, "will not," we say "won't." Well, what in tarnation derives from an old expression? What? In eternal damnation. What? <laughs> they flipped it around to say, what in tarnation? Really? Yeah.
1: The original phrase? The original
0: is- phrase was, what in eternal damnation? And then it got changed oh, to, what in tarnation? Oh. Oh. Apparently, okay. even in the days of eternal damnation, people didn't have enough time to use full expressions. Let's just uh, abbreviate it.
1: So. Okay. Well, here, let me do a couple quickies. Okay. In 1978, Illinois... Sent out thousands of notices to senior citizens in nursing homes, informing them that their Medicare benefits would no longer pay for what?
0: Their care? Their A- medicine?
1: No. Abortions. Oh, <laughs> <laughs>
0: This is when sent to senior citizens?
1: This is Illinois in all its wisdom. Okay, moving on. Remember the uh, beaver teeth that I dazzled you with last uh, week? Oh, yes, the
0: beaver teeth. They grow an inch a month.
1: Yes, Mm -hmm. and are whittled down an inch inch a month. month. Okay, so here's the question. How long are the longest fangs of any snake?
0: Probably about three inches.
1: Uh, That is long. No, it's not quite that long. The much-loved Gaboon viper, which much I never, loved, I just I never heard of it. Oh, uh, has fangs that average two inches, and as a bonus, it can inject enough lethal venom in one shot to kill thirty grown men.
0: Oh my goodness!
1: It's uh, in fact, Philadelphia Zoo uh, had one of these charmers, and it actually accidentally bit itself to death. <laughs> How did they knew it was accidentally? I say it committed suicide because it was in a zoo. Well, it could be.
0: <laughs> it could be.
1: Okay. What do you got? Well, this
0: is interesting. The question is, what are people dreaming during COVID? Do you got any ideas? Well, I
1: heard you say that before. Let me see. They're not dreaming about... Uh, um,
0: it's not good.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, being trapped somewhere?
0: No, it's not that. It's not that. It's... It makes sense when you think about it. What is it? They're applying big data to dream research. They actually were able to gather more than 9,000 dream transcripts from 4,000 people in 13 countries. So this is happening everywhere. Wow. Here's what they found. Now, think about this. COVID-19 is a virus. Yeah. How do you generally describe a virus? I've got some kind of bug, usually people say. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. Well, guess what? Those 19,000 pandemic-related dreams were filled with armies of cockroaches.
1: Oh, man.
0: Masses of wiggling worms. Really? Swarms of bees and other insects, including a grasshopper with vampire fangs. You talk about fangs. Wow. One particularly vivid dream came from a woman who dreamed she saw a huge tarantula crawling into her apartment through the mail slot in the door. So bugs, swarms of insects, tarantulas, those are a lot of the dreams going on right now. In
1: COVID time.
0: I'm going to ask you now some more questions, just regular dreams, okay? Mm-hmm. So they went back and found, they gathered all these transcripts of people's dreams that go back more than a century. 38,000 dream stories. Put them in computers, and then they did keyword analysis. What do you think they found in general about the dreams of men, women, teenagers, veterans, and the blind? Everyday dreams.
1: That people worry about falling or dying or... What about women? Having kids. uh...
0: Women had more friendly, upbeat dreams. Okay. Men's dreams were more aggressive and negative. Teenagers dreamed about sex. (laughs) (laughs) That's a surprise. War veterans had violent dreams, and blind people dream more frequently of imaginary characters.
1: Interesting. So, Bob... Why don't jetliners fly at lower altitudes?
0: Why don't they fly at lower altitudes? Uh I always assumed it was because they're big. Smaller planes fly at lower altitudes. Birds fly at lower altitudes. So they're trying to get above them because we know that a bird in a jet engine can be disastrous. Yeah. Is that it? No. Okay.
1: (laughs) They're saving gas money. What? The air is thinner at higher altitudes and offers less resistance to the plane. Hence, a plane uses less fuel when cruising at 30,000 feet versus 20,000 feet.
0: I'll be darned. I had no idea. Yeah, I
1: didn't think of it. Way up there in rarefied air, you're not burning as much gas.
0: Speaking of that, I have a question for (laughs) you. Of course you do. I was thinking about this question the other day. What are the two disasters, violent events, only possible because of airplanes that Wilbur Wright had to witness in his lifetime. You know, he and his brother invented the airplane. Two of the biggest events in his lifetime were tragedies.
1: Adam Bomb?
0: Adam Bomb was one. Yeah. What was the other one?
1: For the United States? Oh Pearl Harbor. Oh, of course. So,
0: can you imagine what must have been going through Wilbur Wright's mind? He died in forty-eight, yeah. so he actually saw his invention take off in airlines and yeah. airplanes, and and then two huge disasters: disasters. Pearl Harbor. Used, but, that wow. attack was only possible because of airplanes. Yeah, first time in history. Wow. And the dropping of the atomic bomb.
1: That uh, wow! Well, that would be.
0: You could see your invention going wrong. Yeah, you, know? you could see that. Yeah. He died three years after the atomic bomb was dropped, so he was aware of it. Yeah,
1: yeah. So, Bob, why do some people trim their cats' whiskers?
0: For aesthetic purposes? (laughs) I don't know.
1: (laughs) The answer is because they're stupid. Oh, okay. I'm sorry
0: I didn't have that answer.
1: Oh, No, whiskers act as feelers on cats. and. Cats depend on them to provide judgment of width when they go through anything. Okay. So whiskers almost always extend laterally beyond the body.
0: Oh, What's I it? didn't think about that. Yeah,
1: they are you know how they always stick yeah, out? Yeah, just a little beyond yeah. the face. So yeah. they're their feelers when they're if they can get their heads through something wow. or whatever. So people that uh, cut their cats' whiskers are doing them a big disservice. Yes, I yes. guess
0: so. You never did that to your cat, did you? No. Okay. <laughs> I remember we had those pun pun book titles last time. I said I had yes, some more. Yes, that was cute. They're kind of fun. Uh huh. Okay, so uh, there is a new book out called "The Pun Also Rises: <laughs> How the Humble Pun Revolutionized Language, Changed History, and Made Wordplay More Than Some Antics." Get it?
1: Semantics. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> semantics eh?
0: Some antics. Yeah. By John Pollock. Yeah, the writer is a former word pun champion.
1: All right, one more.
0: What do you think this one's about? Moby Duck. <laughs> The True History of 28,800 Bath Toys Lost at Sea. Really? Yes, that's about <laughs> beachcombers, oceanographers, environmentalists, and fools, including the author who went in search of them. That's the whole title. Okay. Moby Duck by Donovan Holmes. So those are oh, two pun book titles very out there cute. right
1: now. Okay, I'm going to close with a couple of quotes from this month's Reader's Digest. Of course. Of course. Uh, Sarah Michelle Geller, You know who she is? Yes. Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yes. She's obviously home with COVID because here's her quote. Wearing daytime pajamas and then changing into nighttime pajamas sets a good example for your children. (laughs) (laughs) I thought that was hilarious. That is hilarious. And then uh, here's one uh, by Senator John Neely Kennedy. The brain is an amazing organ. It starts working in a mother's womb and doesn't stop working till you get elected to Congress. There you go. And he was a Democrat and a Republican, so he can say this. From
0: thing. both sides yeah. of the aisle. <laughs> All right. That's it for this edition of The Off-Ramp. I'm Bob Smith.
1: I'm Marcia Smith.
0: Hope you join us again next time when we show up with more fun trivia. The Off-Ramp is produced in association with CPL Radio and the Cedarbrook Public Library, Cedarbrook, Wisconsin. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time.